Hello everyone and welcome to the Stephen King cast, one man's musings on the works of Stephen King. Uh, what I'm going to be doing today, I'm going to be continuing my list of top Stephen King moments, this one specifically revolving around the Dark Tower series. So I'll be giving uh, the, the, the top 10 list of um, greatest Dark Tower moments. But first I want to read a couple listener emails. Uh, but, but first, actually, before we go any further, um, I just wanted to, to share something with you. Um, as, as you may know, over the last four or five episodes of the Stephen King cast, I have acknowledged that I have been fortunate enough to have a handful of short stories that have been accepted for publication. And if you have enjoyed my musings on the works of Stephen King, then I think that you would also enjoy the, the stories that um, I have been able to uh, get published, um, which serve as, as my own stabs at the, the horror genre. So if you have enjoyed what I've done here, then I think that you'll also enjoy what I have done elsewhere. And I'll let you know uh, what these stories are and where you can find them. Uh, we have uh, the, the short story, This World Will Eat You All the Way Up, found in Nine Tales Told in the Dark, number nine, uh, published by Bride of Chaos. And this is available now through Amazon, and you can just immediately download it onto your Kindle or smartphone or other device. Uh, you can find the short story Room 207 in Dark Moon Digest, issue number 22, edited by Laurie Michelle and Max Booth III. Uh, you can either read the uh, paper and ink edition or you can download it on your Kindle. If you are a fan of witches, then I strongly encourage you to check out Wax and Wayne, A Gathering of Witch Tales, which also includes my short story, Hopscotch. This was edited by David T. Neal from Nose Touch Press. And coming this August, you'll be able to find my short story, Forget Me Not, found in the pages of Trists of Fate, edited by Leanne Story. So hopefully by the time uh, Trists of Fate roll around, I will have even more options for, for you to choose from. And... You know, if you have any thoughts on, on the stories that I've written, feel free to write to me at stephenkingcast at yahoo.com. And speaking of Stephen Kingcast, if you haven't done so already, head on over to iTunes and leave a review because um, that would greatly help out the podcast itself. And as always, you can um, write to me again at stephenkingcast at yahoo.com and share all thoughts, Stephen King. On that note, uh, let me... Uh, read uh, a couple listener emails. Um, first of which I have Lisa, who writes, I have been a constant reader since the late 80s, and your podcasts have reminded me exactly why I love this author so much. Flashback to 1987. A fat, awkward, eight-year-old girl with a terrible haircut hanging out in the mall bookstore while mom shops. The Tommyknockers is brand new in paperback and displayed proudly on a large table in the front of the store. Fat Lisa, Lisa Pizza, teacher's pet and butt of all jokes, loves to read and already knows to only choose authors that have a body of published work, just in case she falls in love with the story. Tommy knockers in hand, Lisa discovers a shelf full of other books by this author and buys the book. An hour or so later, when mom has finished shopping, Lisa is deep into the novel and has become the next constant reader to find King. Stephen King books have allowed me to escape my harsh reality as the fat kid with no friends when I was in school. He had published so much that it took me quite a few years to get caught up. I became addicted to the Talisman and the Dark Tower books, reading them over and over again. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, the Talisman and the Dark Tower books, reading them over and over until the pages fell out and I needed new copies. I watched every movie that had anything to do with SK, even though I was sadly disappointed in most of them. 
When I met my future husband, I was horrified to learn that due to ADD, he hated to read and I wouldn't be able to share my passion for King with him. We found that he enjoyed listening to my synopsis and analysis of the books though, so that worked out for the both of us. I finally had someone to listen to my babbling about King. Finding your podcast has renewed my love for the books. I recently went back to school for a career change and haven't had time to read for pleasure in ages. Your enthusiasm and analysis of the novels is the next best thing for my crazy schedule. I truly appreciate what you are doing. Thank you. I have a project that I've wanted to work on for years and simply haven't found a way to start it or the time to dedicate to it. I want to map out the characters and other novels that are a part of the Dark Tower series. A timeline, map, flowchart combo that somehow visually depicts where in Midworld, where in time, those other characters cross paths with the Kotet. Also, my project would include the aliases and twinners that are not obvious connections but are likely meant to be Easter eggs for true constant readers. I fear that I would have to reread each novel and take extensive notes to ever get this accomplished. And that is a daunting task. Do you have any resources that could help me find my path, my beam? Any thoughts on my project? Thank you again. May you have long days and pleasant nights. There are, in fact, other worlds than these. Lisa. Lisa, thank you for writing in. Um, guys, as you know, I love hearing your, your stories about when you, you found Stephen King and what Stephen King means to you. Um, and uh, Lisa, with, with your project... Um, is it the, the Stephen, what is it, the, the Dark Tower Concordance, I believe, by Robin Firth? Um, I believe that that's, that's where you probably should start. I don't know if it's one or two books, um, but th there's a couple. Uh, if you were to type in uh, the Dark Tower Concordance, or maybe it's the Stephen King Concordance, or the Stephen King Compendium? I, I, I think that these all exist, right? <laughs> I just can't think off the top of my head. Um and I'm, and I'm not quite sure because to be perfectly honest, uh, so what it's right now, it's January of 2016 as I'm recording this. I've been knee deep in this since uh, summer of 2014. And since then, I have kind of avoided any sort of Stephen King resource whatsoever because I wanted my thoughts and my reviews and my connections to be mine and not borrowed uh, or taken from any other published work or compendium or... Um, you know, encyclopedia. Uh, so I, I can't, I've <coughs> really been avoiding them. So I'm, I'm sorry, Lisa, I can't super help you out on that one. Um, okay, guys, what I want to do, I, read, I want to read a couple other emails. Um, we have Mike Doherty, uh, who shares the name of a awesome uh, writer-director who gave us Trick or Treat, who, uh, and uh, Mike writes, Greetings. Just thought I'd share my thoughts on The King. Though the timing may be inopportune. I discovered your podcast a little over a month ago and you are just about wrapping up. I saw the review for The Bazaar of Bad Dreams was available, but I didn't listen to it yet because I'm going chronologically. Anyway, I believe that the first SK novel I read was The Gunslinger. I remember reading a couple stories in my dad's copies of Night Shift and Different Seasons, The Body, The Lawnmower Man, Sometimes They Come Back, and Children of the Corn stand out in my memory, all of which had movie adaptations, which was probably why I chose them. What are you getting up to? What are you doing? What are you doing? Um, okay, but after I read Lord of the Rings, I want another epic to read. The summer break before my junior year of high school just began, and my dad also had Dark Tower 1 through 4, and I read all of them as fast as I could. I tried to read as many of his other books as I could in high school and college wore on. I took out Dreamcatcher and Eyes of the Dragon from my local library, which also had the graphic novel for Creepshow and probably still does, though I haven't been there in over 10 years. 
I remember reading Carrie, Insomnia, and Everything's Eventual 2 to hold me over until Dark Tower 5 through 7 came out. As an adult, I'm in the midst of completing the trek. I've read 55 of his books so far, so there's <clears throat> still a lot left to entertain me, but soon I will catch up. I was so close to revisiting the Dark Tower series again, but I have so many non-Stephen King books to pick up, I just can't bring myself to do it uh, just yet. But I will. Wizard and Glass is my favorite Stephen King book. Roland's love story was heartbreaking, and damn, such a good read. But overall, Roland's past interests me so much. I'd like to know more, but I'm also fascinated with being mystery. I remember in Drawing of the Three, I believe, there's a line that Elaine that says Elaine died from the guns of Roland and Cuthbert, and I was curious. Did Elaine betray them? Was he seduced? What happened? But the reveal that he was mistakenly shot in the darkness of the night was a bit of a letdown. I guess I want something a little more epic for Elaine to check out on. He was my favorite character from Wizard and Glass, so I really can't wait to revisit DT, but also uh, 112263, which my co-worker and I believe is his best ending ever, Under the Dome, It, The Stand, The Shining, and Dr. Sleep. One thing that I'd like to mention about the Tommyknockers as an allegory for drug use and addiction, King has admitted that the novel is about his drug use, and as a person with drug abusers in my life on a familiar level, there are a lot of representations of that. The townspeople believe that they are better with the alien's influence. They ostracize a person who is different. In guard, they go out to the shed to recharge. They drain their energies. Um, they drain others of their energy, like Ev, Annie, and Peter in the shed, and it kills their body and withdrawals tough on them too. And that doesn't even include guards' obvious alcoholism and those side effects. I also don't know why King has that negative feeling about that book. It's pretty solid, I'd say, and I agree. There's still plenty for you to cover, as you know. Maybe you can touch upon his nonfiction works and essays. There's the comic adaptations of The Dark Tower, The Stand, and N. Either way, let us know if you start another podcast. Job well done, sir. Mike, thank you for writing in. Um, and about Elaine... Um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's that balance. It's a, it, you know, not necessarily about Elaine, but also uh, just the the balance between uh, what we're given and 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 the mystery of things and wanting to know more and and just the things that we want to know more. The reason we want to know them more is because they are a mystery. And and where do you let the mystery just be a mystery? And when do you critique something for not giving us the payoff of a mystery? It's 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 always a challenge in storytelling, and some things just hey, it's like the the the, the beginning of the the leftovers the, of the second season of leftovers. You know, sometimes you just have to let the mystery be, and um, you know I struggle with that as well um, with the Dark Tower. I mean, you know, I've gone on record saying that I don't want any more Stephen King Dark Tower stories, and then you know every time I read you know something like Little Sisters of Alluria, I'm like no, or or. Um, the went through the keyhole and the skin man. I'm like, no, 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 I want more. I want more adventures of a young Roland. Uh, so it goes, it, it definitely goes back and forth. Um, and I'll never, I'll never come down on one side or the other. I'm going to just sway. I'm going to sway with the wind. And sometimes I'll want more and sometimes I will not. Okay, up next we have Tom Phillips, who writes, Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for so much fun, so much insight, so many hours of entertainment. I truly enjoy revisiting each and every book and movie. Some almost 40 years removed, but you bring them back very vividly. I started at number one, Carrie, and have gone up to the talisman, but I cheat. As each new review comes out, I jump ahead to listen from 95... Episode number 95, Duma Key on hours and hours of entertainment. Much appreciated. Say hi to your dogs and give them a good scratch on the head for me. 
Sorry to hear about your cat. Very tough. We just lost our dog of 13 years, Smokey, just before Christmas, and our cat of 20 years, Harriet, a few months ago. The house is so empty without them. Anyway, thanks again a million times over. Um, Thomas. Uh, Thomas, thank you for writing in. Just thank you for the kind words, and I'm really sorry to hear about your, your animals passing away. It is one of the... the the, the hardest things to do. Um, but I've got one of them uh, in my arms right now. So maybe says hi. Okay. All right, guys. Uh, what I'm going to do now, I'm going to get to um, my top. I say top 10, but it's, it's going to be 16. <laughs> Just a random list. Top uh, 16 Dark Tower Moments. So with a series like this, so many moments should be in the top 10 moments, should be in the top five moments. Uh, I mean, how do you whittle it down? That's why I have 16. Um, I just kind of wrote out what I thought, like the big moments were that, that came to mind um, and I, I cut some others out. And But I feel as though these ones are, are the big ones. So let's just let, get right to them. So number 16, freeing the breakers. The, the the showdown at Aljul Ciento in the pages of the Dark Tower book seven. The Dark Tower is is uh, an awesome, well done scene. It's really the last stand of of the Gunslingers and the Quartet as we know them to be, and it oh God King does such a good job at, at just capturing the chaos of the townsfolk and the the low men and um, just everyone that is at Aljul Saliento as the gunslingers start their attack. It just shows again, and we've seen it again and again, how how good a gunslinger is at killing. So when you have, you know, more than one working together, it's just a bloodbath. And, you know, they, then, you know, on top of this, you also have just psychically powered people helping out and, you know, Ted Brodigan using his, you know, astral projections to murder people. It, it's, I mean... Again, by the end of the Dark Tower series, King isn't showing us how evil evil can be. It just shows us how pathetic evil really is and how they don't stand a chance when when the quote-unquote good guys stand together. And it just makes the, the, the end of that scene all the more heartbreaking. Um, number 15 is Roland and Jake reunite. Again, this, this one is when Roland and Jake reunite in the pages of the Dark Tower. Um, not necessarily when, when Jake comes back into, to Midworld, but, um, you know, it's, it's in the bowels beneath the, the Dixie pig. And this is when, uh, Jake asks Roland to, to call him father or, or does Roland ask Jake to call him father anyway? But I mean, this is, it's when the symbolic father and son really just, they, this is when they really do become father and son. And it's, be, it's just a beautiful reunion between the two of them and, the last reuni reunion that they have and um you know it's just one final moment where they can just be with each other and kind of celebrate each other before uh you know before jake dies number 14 is roland's gunslinging test from the pages of the gunslinger so this i mean really with this whole section, I mean, it really helped set the stage for who Roland was. Um, without this, without learning about uh, Gilead in the days before the, the fall, before the, the affiliation crumbled, before the good man came, um, what we had was a story about a, a cowboy chasing a magician through the desert, really. And with this, it, it, it opened up the mythology 
and it, it broadened the scope um, and really kind of brought in a lot of uh, European um, influences onto what was being presented at the time of a very American tale. And uh, with the with just the story of Roland um, being forced into battle with court because of the machinations of the wizard and the adultery of, of Martin and, and Gabriel, it, uh, it, we, we all of a sudden had a, a David and Goliath scene on our hands where Roland was our David and court was Goliath. And, you know, of course I, that, that was definitely intentional as the name of the Hawk was David. And so, I mean, so much of what would become the dark tower series is predicated on what we are given here with the sacrifice of the Hawk, um, with the, the bloodthirst of Roland, with the unrelenting nature of that character, um, of how he's kind of dumber <laughs> than, than, um, he actually, you know, thinks that he is, um, you know, court realizes like that he's just been fooled into into this. That there's a much bigger picture, and the fact that Roland can't see the bigger picture, he can only see what's directly in front of him. And so, I mean, so much of that is is there in in that particular scene. It's one of the most important scenes that that King has given us in in the world of the Dark Tower. Okay, up next is Charyu Tree. Um, everything about this scene from uh. From Roland, um, you know, and and his his kata at the time facing down the the big coffin hunters and and everyone that's that's working with uh, the good man, um, and the way that he intercuts it with uh, Rhea whipping up the the townsfolk into a a bloodlust frenzy of hypnosis uh, where. They're about to burn Susan Delgado. It, it's it's incredibly incredibly done, and uh, it, it's just heartbreaking. And this is this is the moment that that makes uh, Roland who he is much more so, I would say, than uh, than um, the gunslinging test itself. Number twelve is one of the final scenes of the Dark Tower series, and that is when Susanna reunites with Eddie and Jake in an alternate version of New York City. It is the one glimmer of hope that we get in a very dark and bleak final installment of the series. You know, I mean, as I said in my top ten heroes, where I talked about Susanna and how she is given, she not only is given. Um, a happy ending. She earns that happy ending. She's the only character that that takes the uh, the steps in the right direction to ensure that she doesn't have the tragedy that befalls everyone who who falls in line with Roland. And so she makes her own happy ending. And, and there's something to that um, that we are not bound by Ka. That we can make our lives, and that what happens in <laughs> for Roland. It doesn't have to happen for us. And Roland makes his own life. You know, he has choices all along the way. It's not Ka. Ka's not a wind. You know, I mean, we, we, through our actions and the steps that we take, we form our path. And Susanna realizes that. And she says, I'm not going to die for you. I'm going to live my life. And thankfully, she is rewarded with um, a, a beautiful, beautiful dreamlike ending with um, the love of her life um, and, and Jake. And it, it's just great. It's great. It's a great 
uplifting end before he he <laughs> before he he drives the final stake in our heart with the real ending of the book but with everything that has come before it i'm glad that she was given what what um what uh what we are given number 11 is the gunslingers versus the coffin hunters the big coffin hunters um so this is really when uh Cuthbert gets the drop on the big coffin hunters and it's great because it just shows that um, even as as teenagers, they're they're more capable and confident than than um, you know trained. Well, I mean they are trained killers, but experienced killers um, and and mercenaries. And it's just showing Cuthbert in his element and how he's not phased by by the Mexican standoff um, or the Mejis standoff in this case, and how he's still cracking jokes, but. King also shows the command that he has that we will later see in Eddie um, when Eddie goes to, to New York to, to save uh, Calvin Tower. Um, and he faces off against Jake, Jack, and Lini again. But um, the, the way that, that Cuthbert goes from cracking jokes to threatening the big coffin hunters, and it's convincing, it's great, it's great. And then one by one, Elaine shows up, um, and then... Uh, Jonas gets the drop out of lane, then Roland comes, the alpha, the alpha predator that he is, and he just commands the situation. So it's just, and it, the the tension in that scene is is just it's palpable, and it just builds off itself so so well, and it's just definitely one of the standout scenes in any of, of Stephen King's works, especially the Dark Tower series. Number ten, I talked about this in the um, top ten Stephen King moments of all time. Um, this is our number ten Dark Tower scene, and this is the Shining Wire. This is the end of uh, Randall Flag. This is the, uh, the 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 showdown between uh, the Spider versus the Wizard. Um, so really, what it is is you have two long-standing concepts within Stephen King coming head to head. One is the the devilish rogue character, um, in at you know who is Walter and the 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 spider, um, which we have seen time and time again. And the spider wins out. And I just like the way that that King shows us. You know, I mean, like he's used the word glamour um, so many times, but here he he takes the the glamour off and he shows us. Not not Randall Flagg, the the would be conqueror in the stand, and not Flagg, the the evil magician in um, in Eyes of the Dragon. Uh, but we see we see Walter Paddock, the the fool that fooled himself into thinking that he was smarter than he actually was, and he pays the price for it. And it is it's a fantastic scene. Okay, number. Um, Number nine is, and I talked about this again, this is Eddie versus Blaine. Um, Eddie, in the concluding pages of The Wasteland, just gets beaten down by by Roland and by Blaine, and no one takes him seriously. And in the pages of Wizard and Glass, he, he builds himself up, and he's the one to save the day, and he saves all of their lives. And in that moment, he saves the multiverse, because if he wasn't able to destroy this train, then they would have crashed, and the tower would have fallen. And... It's just a great way to, to show Eddie and give him his badass gunslinging moment. Number eight is when they pulled Jake into Midworld. I mean, everything about this scene from the, the house on Dutch Hill uh, turning into a, a, a monster chasing down Jake to them uh, feverishly drawing the door um, on the ground and everything that's happening with um, Susanna in the background. Uh, but 
them actually the moments building up and then Roland jumping in um, into the other world and grabbing Jake and pulling him back into to Midworld and just the reunion between these two. I'm a sucker for the reunion scenes between Jake and Roland. There's just something about the two of them and how, like I said in, in the, the top uh, Stephen King moments uh, episode, just the fact that they're two broken people without each other and they need, they need each other and uh, Jake needs... Um, you know, Roland and Roland needs Jake, and they they heal they heal themselves when they're together. It's just great. Number seven. Uh, this is uh, also from the Wastelands. This is Shardik. This is the coming of Shardik, the King Kong-sized bear robot, <laughs> um, hurtling through the the woods, and shows um, just how effective the the, the gunslingers are. Um, that they can take down uh, the, this monstrosity, and and Shardik uh, himself just shows the the opening of of a larger mythology within the the Dark Tower universe, and uh, it, it's just a fantastic scene. You don't expect it. I mean, what we had seen up until that point were yeah, I mean, talking lobsters and a magician and some metaphysics and you know magic doors, but magic doors. I mean, we have seen before in the works of fantasy. But I don't think anyone expected a giant ro robotic bear um, with a satellite on its dish on its head. Uh, and so for, for King to, to give us that, that really opened up the world in a way that he hadn't done so before with the previous two books and saw and showed us that anything was possible from this point forward. Number six was when Eddie, he, he, he turns the page and he, he kind of says no to his junkie life anymore and embraces the ways of the, the gunslingers by... Um, shooting up the mob with Roland at his side in the pages of the, the, the drawing of the three. It is such a good scene to see the two of them, uh, you know, facing off against just dumb evil and showing who, who really is on top. Number five is, I've, you know, said about this, said this uh, many, many times before, this one of the most triumphant scenes out of any work of fiction that I've ever encountered, and that is Jake and Callahan and the Dixie Pig when Callahan, um, he is able to overcome uh, the evil there, and though he goes out, he goes out in a blaze of glory. But everything leading into that is is great. Just the the cars that are lining up, and the guests getting out and getting into the Dixie Pig, and the 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 mist, the tendrils of fog that start to build around the Dixie Pig itself, and how squalid it is, and the the fact that um, Susanna had just been taken through there um, as everyone is chanting and screaming and cheering and it's just nightmarish and knowing that uh jake and callahan and oi have to go in there to save her it, it's 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 great it's great and then when callahan kind of gets his mojo back and just starts starts uh destroying the vampires left and right it's fantastic number four is um a big moment in in the world of the, the the dark tower because it shows the stakes here and it takes place in the drawing of the three and it's one of the most unexpected um moments of the the dark tower and that's when roland loses a couple fingers to the lobstrosities i mean come on guys i mean this guy needs his fingers to to shoot and in the opening pages of the the the, the drawing of the three he loses his fingers and it so i mean if if he's willing if king is willing to literally cut off the thing that he needs to survive and be the, the what was promised to us by the title of the first book, then anything can happen. Um, and it sets in motion. Um, 
it sets in motion the, the, the events of, of the, the, the drawing of the three itself with the infection and having to go through the doors and, and needing to rely on others. And so it, it's the, the mechanism by which Stephen King uh, takes role in the solitary figure from the, the gunslinger and starts to um, not soften him, but, but lead him back to a world of others, um, which comes full circle in uh, the, the, the following book, The, the Wastelands. Up next is Tull. Number three is the, the massacre at Tull. This is where we get to see how good role it is at his job. It's just a massacre, and they don't stand a chance, and he murders everybody in the town. Um, you know, I mean, they, they are possessed at that point by, uh, by what, uh, you know, Walter has left for him. But it is an important scene because here we see that a gunslinger is not just someone that's going to come in and have a, a um, showdown at high noon. Um, this is this is a death dealer, someone that, that deals death in lead, and um, we that's why we need this scene from Tall to to really show us how good he is at his job. Number two uh, comes from the the final book of the series, and this is the very very end. Um, it it it's where everything comes full full circle. It's the the kicker. Um, this is when Roland enters the tower and realizes that this is not the first time he's entered the tower, that has happened time and time and time again, and he is constantly damned to repeat his actions and goes back to the, our beginning where we first picked up um, his story in the pages of The Gunslinger um, and the fact that it ends with the man in black fled across the desert and The Gunslinger followed. It's awesome. It's awesome, and it's our number two moment. And our number one moment is where we realized what uh, Roland was capable of, and that is, go then. There are other worlds than these. Um, the fact that Roland would sacrifice Jake, um, and for Jake to, to utter those, a line which, in my review of the Gunslinger, I, I kind of called BS that I never would see a, a you know eleven year old boy actually using that terminology. But still, uh, you can't deny the impact. Um, of of that phrase and uh so that that is our number one moment of the the works of the dark tower so guys if you have um is there if there's anything that i missed out feel free to to write in at stephen kingcast at yahoo.com and um, if you haven't done so already head on over to itunes leave a review to help uh, get the word of the stephen kingcast out there and in the meantime, guys, uh, may you have long days and pleasant nights, and I will see you here next week where M-O-O-N spells Stephen Kingcast.